Welcome back to the Power Sports Nutrition Podcast. My name is Liz Broad and I'm an accredited sports dietitian. Today, it's my great pleasure to introduce to you Chong Min Lee. Chong Min is a Paralympic athlete, retired from South Korea. He competed in para rowing and also in paranautic ski. And he is now working at the Korean Paralympic Committee. So welcome to the podcast, Chong Min. Hi, how are you? Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's great to have a chat with you because you've had a role in a couple of different sports and now you've got an active role in in the Paralympic Committee in Korea. So I think there's some a lot of stuff that we can talk about. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still working on it. I'm still working on it. <laughs> so Chong Min, can you give us a little bit of a, an idea about your background, your impairment mm-hmm. and how you got into para rowing to start off with because that was your first okay. sport. All right. My impairment is from I was diagnosed with the Guillain Barre syndrome, which it was uh, affected, well known to be uh, affected by uh, uh, vaccination. Mm-hmm. So at age 10, I was vaccinated with the flu or something with a cold. And then I got those uh, after vaccination, I got that syndrome called Guillain Barre syndrome. And it's disturbing the neural system in your body and it paralyzes all your limbs. So uh, my upper body, uh, up to the upper body from the uh, lower body, mm-hmm. that uh, whole my body was paralyzed. So it took me almost year and a half to or back to walk again because mm-hmm. I was in bed where the whole limbs were paralyzed almost year and a half and then it was very slow pace uh, to get back on my feet to walk mm-hmm. and then it wasn't used to be as I uh, mm-hmm. and then after that 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 was my disability but it didn't came back to my both to ankle which is the down below part from my knee and my neural system didn't back as normal, so it's still paralyzed. So that's mm. how I became uh, my disability. And I am. And is registered... that on? It's sorry. Is that both sides or just one yes, leg? Yes, it is both. Uh-huh. It is my both sides. So mm-hmm. I need to have uh, some types of a bracelet to support my knee. Yep. Uh, my ankle. So whenever I do my normal life in working or going to the maybe school to the mart market i need to have those bracelets uh, without that i barely walk and mm-hmm. very uh dangerous to mm. walk around so that is my disability and because of that well even though i had those disability my parents were very very educated people <laughs> so mm-hmm. they sent me to united states when i was uh 16 right. to study abroad oh. so by myself wow so i I that went was to pretty, high school. That was yes. pretty young. Yes, yes. My dad was a professor in university in Korea, mm-hmm. and we had opportunity have exchanging professor for one year right. when I was twelve years old. Mm-hmm. So whole my family went to Alabama, USA. Uh, it's called a small town Tuscaloosa. Right. I went to junior high school. When I was twelve years old for about a year, mm-hmm. and then we came back. We moved back to Korea. And my parents decided I need to send to U.S. myself to yep. study in uh, United States. So I went to a high school called Subiaco Academy in Arkansas wow. in, uh, by myself. 
So that's the age when I was 16. And then I, I started my uh, junior year in high school and I finished my uh, senior in those two years in high school in Arkansas. And then I went to uh, Michigan State University for my college. Right. So I, I went to a uh, university in Michigan. And after that, I finished, I, I, I got a job in Kia Motors, which is uh, located in Georgia. <laughs> and I moved down to Georgia and I worked about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And then I finally moved back to Korea after almost 10 years living in the uh, States. So that's mm-hmm. why I could speak a little bit of English. So that's, I can be conversation with English and I can study in English. And I went back to Korea, that's the year 2010. Mm-hmm. And I got a job in, you know, somewhere around uh, 2010 to 2012, you know, just the normal, you know, uh, industry. Yep. But I felt that I need more than something than education. I need to physical activity. I need mm-hmm. exercise because mm-hmm. uh, during my period in the States, I, I joined a soccer team for my school and I played a golf. I played a, a basketball with my friends, mm-hmm. but because of my disability, I couldn't do better, yeah. which means I wanted to be good. I wanted to be a better, not an athlete, but I wanted to win over mm-hmm. other, you know, with the friends, even though I play maybe five, five basketball, three and three, but I always on the last person to get picked on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. know, because all my friends know that I am not good at sports. Yeah. So even though I play my soccer, I was a goalkeeper because uh, I don't have to move around in the much. field. Yeah. So I was located as a goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. But I started my, uh, I, I finished my university and I started working in the company. I feel a little, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't say a discrimination, but maybe a little bit isolation mm-hmm. due to my disability. But maybe yeah. because that is my problem. That is my mental problem. I mm. felt a little uh, lonely. Maybe yeah. I was isolated and sometimes I get anxious very uh, spontaneously. So I needed something to uh, fix that problem because mm-hmm. I get started with uh, having problem with the relationship, with the friends, family, um, because of that anxious and depressions. And sometimes I felt that I am the only one person in the world. So I need to do something with myself. So. I was watching my TV at the uh, maybe Saturday night, mm-hmm. and I found out that there was a, a TV show about the rowing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I never had the chance to play a rowing. And then, as I seen in the TV, all the people are sitting and using their upper body, and they're doing the exercise. And then I mm-hmm. thought, oh yeah, that is my sport. Uh-huh. So I, I started to, you know, uh, research about the rowing in Korea. Yep. And I found the one regular in Korea and I just drive there right away and find out how can I exercise those rowing. Yep. And then I met uh, some of the coach in the regatta and that mm-hmm. coach was watching me. Hey, you can be a national uh, Korean Paralympic team. I'm mm. like, I never thought that I can be some of the uh, national representing national athletes yep. because I was always behind the level of the my school friends mm, in yep, the sport. Yep. So I never uh, dreamed or I never imagined that I can be uh, holding my national flag and to be competing with all the other international athletes. Sure. So that was kind of a, a point that 
I want to be a Paralympian. Yeah. I want to be a representing my country. So I quit my job and I started to find a journey to become a Paralympic. That's the year 2013. Mm-hmm. And then I started my Paralympic role in 2013. I went to World Championship in Chungju, which is the rowing World Championship 2013. And mm-hmm. 2014, there were Incheon Para Asian Games. So I went to, to those two international competitions as a national rowing athletes, Paralympic athletes. And then I was also finding, you know, I need to survive. I need to make money to survive. Mm, yep. Because by the time there was no any uh, support system, financially support system, uh, if you're doing the para-athlete, yep. especially uh, rowing, because in Korea, rowing was not the, the medal uh, yep. sport yep. the uh, Korean para-athlete. Uh, so there are not many government or any uh, entrepreneurs were uh, supporting the, the rowing sports. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of struggling. Oh, I cannot live with this because I need to make some money and I need mm-hmm. some financial support and I need some of the uh, better coaches to, you know, correct me if I'm doing mm-hmm. wrong with exercise or maybe my physical fitness. Yep. And then I, would, I had a chance to uh, participate in Nordic ski, which is a sitting category. Yep. Uh, the uh, one of my uh, coaches that asked me, "Hey, what are you doing in uh, winter?" I was like, "I have nothing to do. There's no uh, <laughs> rowing program. There's no any uh, support to put me into the uh, physical program." And they mm-hmm. said, "Hey, uh, there's a camp about two weeks, and then you have to compete in the national competition. And if you won that competition, you will get some of the grants." Oh. So okay. Why not? I, I need the money. So <laughs> I went to camp for two weeks. There was a very, very classic sit that no one's are using. So I just, yeah. hey, whatever, I, give, give me that uh, chair. And uh, I, I started to sit there and I started to uh, uh, skiing. Like yep. One hour, one hour, 30 minutes, two hours, whatever they asked me to. So for two weeks and after that, there's a national competition and I, I got two gold medal and one silver. So <laughs> After that, Korean Public Committee was shocked that I made a goal in that national level mm-hmm. because uh, by the time 2015, they were looking uh, national athletes to aiming participate in 2018 Pyeongchang Paralympic yeah, Pyeongchang. Yeah, uh, your home, home Paralympic Games. Yes. So, but I didn't know that they have so many budget and yeah. so many support system will be uh, given to those athletes who will be going for 2018 Pyeongchang Paralympics. Mm. So I was also, I got the hired as a club member for the Nordic skier. And yep. also there were 300 to 350 days support per year for training, which means I go to New Zealand, I go to the Russia, I go to uh, Finland, whatever that all the overseas training were paid Mm-hmm. And all the support will be made by a Korean Paralympic Committee. And also all the equipment, all the per diem, all the meals, whatever, coaching staff, that's for all support by a Korean Paralympic Committee uh, yep. until 2018 Pyeongchang Paralympic Games. So, yep. well, I was very financially uh, stabilized and also all the sports equipment, uh, professional skills of the coachings and all those overseas because 
as you know that rowing and Nordic ski, that is the uh, natural environment that you have to play the sports in natural environment. Yeah. So in yep. Korea, we don't have any much snow, only maybe December to February. Yep. So except those three or two months, we need to find some of the overseas places that we can still practice and skiing in yep. that uh, snowing conditions. But, you know, there's a lot of um, money are relating and cost that to traveling to overseas. So, mm -hmm. but because of the financial support that I was uh, always uh, in overseas, U.S., Canada, uh, Finland, and New Zealand. So that's the kind of very very high performance support mm. that we're getting to preparing for the Pyeongchang uh, Paralympic Games. So and so and so then you competed in the Pyeongchang Games. Yes, I, I did. And how was that being being able to race in your own home games with you know home crowds? Well, um, it was very excited and mm -hmm. it was very happy because I don't know how to express the happiness that I can compete with whole crowd that is supporting me and all my colleagues from Korean the Korean team and mm -hmm. which I never had experiences in other world cup or mm. uh, any other world championship or even though in asian Paragame. yeah and it was the first time ever that korea has con uh, hosting the winter paralympic games and as well as olympic game so there were so many crowded and spectators in in the stadium to just the supporting korean team mm. and yeah counting out names and it was so excited and it was huge yeah that you know, during the race, it was a huge impact on yeah. our result. So yeah. because of that, our Korean team had a one goal and one server. Wow. Fantastic. For the, yeah. But I, I didn't get the medal, but my, uh, uh, one of my, uh, uh, the colleagues, the, yep. uh, the set skier that he made a gold in the cross country ski and, uh, also won a bronze in the cross-country mm. ski and so did you just compete in cross-country or did you also compete in biathlon oh i did both in the biathlon and also cross-country and had you ever shot a, a rifle before you competed in biathlon no I didn't. <laughs> so, well, so it, it's, it, it's fair to say that your learning curve was pretty steep yes i was i was well if i have to say zero to 100 i was <laughs> maybe around two or three <laughs> have, we only had a two and a half years to make it into the 100 yeah so yeah. we busted our butt <laughs> to make the level on the 100 yeah. and we know we all know that our team which is especially lw12 me yeah. and the, one of the uh colleagues that well i, I don't know one of the athletes that who made it into the goal his name is uh, shinoyan mm -hmm. we only two uh, athletes we really worked hard starting from 5 a.m in the morning and working in the at night maybe five times a day for uh, our uh, schedule for program yeah. and we did that for three and a half years yeah. and that's why because of the support yeah because of the uh, a korean crowd because of the korean government that putting a lot of support and energy and we don't want them to regret that yeah they didn't you know, Fabulous. things. Yeah, so we really, really uh, worked, worked hard. hard yeah, and so the transition from rowing 
to Nordic ski, how is that from a physical perspective? Because they're quite different movement patterns, aren't they? Yes, yes. In rowing, I was classed, uh, I don't know they changed it, but I was the uh, LTA mm-hmm. uh, plus, which is, which is the, using the legs and also upper body together. Yep. But my uh, cross-country ski classification was LW12, which yep. is the uh, sitting category. So they are not using any uh, legs, only upper body. Yep. So those two different types of sports are really hard for me adjust mm. from the rowing to the cross-country ski. Mm. And so do you feel like you, you did a fair bit of time in the gym in order to build different strength in your muscles or was it really mostly done on snow and, and in the training that you were doing? I think the uh, transitions from rowing to, which is transition rowing, which is they don't have any sitting equipment, Mm-hmm. which they only using their boat but transition from the uh, just the from rowing to uh, Nordic ski with the sitting category i think using uh, skiing in the snow is much more effective than mm-hmm. training in the gym because you have to have a balance between those sit equipments and your body yeah it take me it still it still take me a process to find the right positions to sitting in that equipment yeah so that was the most hard part for me to finding right positions and right equipment form yep to you know to make better movements in during the uh uh, ski yeah and what about with from a nutrition perspective did you do you think that your your diet had to change between when you were rowing and when you were Mm -hmm being a sit skier definitely definitely now the rowing for the paralympic games uh is a two kilometer yep which is two thousand meter but by the time when i was doing my rowing it was one kilometer yeah so most likely it done by uh between five minutes or sometimes six minutes or mm-hmm. maybe if uh, you know depends on the classification for me it took me four to six minutes to finishing one competition Mm-hmm. And uh, because of North Ski, that we have a cross-country ski and also a biathlon. In cross-country ski, you will have to race three competitions, which mm-hmm. means uh, sprint, middle distance, and long distance. And also biathlon, you biathlon, you also have to compete short, uh, and middle, and long distance. Mm-hmm. And then extra, you will compete with the team uh, sprint games. Yep. So basically, if you are a Nordic skier, and both participating in the cross-country ski and uh, biathlon, you will have to race most likely whole week. Mm. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, Friday, and maybe Saturday off and Sunday. Mm. So those are the every World Cup, every World Championship. That is the whole competition I have to be participating. Yeah. But in rowing, you only participate one game, one competition. Yeah. And that is only one K. So the nutrition has to be changed in order to adjust my physical fitness yeah. into uh, the Norris scheme. So by the time in rowing, my coaches were asking me to eat a lot of meat, mm-hmm. a lot of protein. They want me to require more muscles, like, yeah. uh, you know, maybe one RM. Like they need for me to more, you know, strengthen in my upper body or maybe in my core. 
Yeah. So I was a little bit overweighted, and also my strengths were very good, but my、uh, my cardio wasn't that good compared、right. to when I did ski. Yep. And also eating quality was much more bigger when I、mm-hmm. did the rowing. Yep. And then maybe I well that's the kind of differences that I want to say about the nutritions. Yep. Okay, and what about? Did you find that you had any other nutrition challenges with the Nordic ski?、Mm-hmm. Like you were traveling、yes. all around the world, was that、yes. a challenge? Yes. That, that's that's the, what I was going to to say about. Maybe I was a little comfortable eating Western food because I was used to living in the states.、Mm. But mostly, all my uh, uh, Korean Paralympic team had very difficult times whenever they travel to overseas. Because we most likely train there from six week to eight weeks. Yeah. So we are using、uh, some of the cafeteria in the training center, which they are providing their you know Western foods. Yeah. So sometimes they comes out with the fries, hamburger, pizza,、uh, <laughs> because those training center were not always proper athlete based training center. Sometimes、mm. it's a kind of hotel based. Yeah. Resort base.、Um, Sometimes it's just、uh, in a regular basis of the hotel that we have to find to stay. So those、uh, foods are for the、uh, general populations, not for the athletes. Yeah. So they comes out with a pasta, a pizza, whatever that food people are love to eat during their time for travel or maybe、mm. staying in the hotel. So that、Not、was the kind of challenging we're、yeah. facing whenever we go to the overseas、uh, training. For the Nordic ski, and did you take much food with you from Korea just because you knew that that food supply would be different? Yes. Well, I try to avoid because most time when we bring these Korean food are instant food.、Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, Which like means noodles, like, uh, noodles and... yeah, cup noodles, or sometimes that is not the natural or organic、uh, Korean traditional food. It is、mm. always instant. Uh, Korean food, which is not really healthier,、yeah. compared to you are really cooking by yourself. Yeah. So we trying to avoid it, but because of that, like I said, but we cannot finding, you know, our taste、yeah. in those times during we're in the training、uh, in overseas area. So you know that's why we cannot finding right、yeah. nutritions. And also、If、the way. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say also the way the food served in a lot of Western countries is very different to in South Korea. Like in South Korea, you get lots of little dishes, and you kind of take a bit of from each little dish. Whereas in you know a lot of European and Western countries, you get one meal and and not little bits and pieces. And so was that also difficult for some of the athletes to adapt to? Yes. And of course, and we have a very、uh, ingredient with the soy sauce base and spices bases,、mm-hmm. so tasteable. But, but、yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that the Western food is not tasteable, but which means it's more.、Um, I don't know how to say it in English. It like you know, soy sauce base and spice、uh, sauce bases are more. You know, I, I believe you've been to Korea that you had、uh, some of the Korean dishes that is a little different、yeah. taste compared to the Western. Very. You know, Westerns、yeah. are more、mm-hmm. with the creamy. Or sometimes very、um, what is it? bland. You know, yes, yes. <laughs> and also, I, I,、yeah. I would say a little bit more heavier compared、yeah. to、uh, Asian dishes. Yeah. And so 
that is also hard to adjusting our nutritions. But but it was okay because uh, Nordic ski, uh, the characteristic of this sport that requires a lot of time that you have to put in your work. Mm. So you know, even though you eat a lot of heavy food, but you still have to ski for two hours to three hours, so you get digestions very quickly. Yeah. But maybe if it was alpine ski, uh, maybe if it was uh, calling, <laughs> which <laughs> they don't require that much exercise performance yep. at times, maybe they were more difficult when they were in overseas uh, yeah. with their lo- local foods and compared to their traditional. So you didn't find that you put on a lot of weight just because you were traveling. You, you tended yes, to be yes, able to yes. hold your weight pretty steadily. Because it was really hard rule. Mm. Uh, yeah. In Nordic ski because I ski from nine to twelve, and yep. then I uh, have a lunch and then maybe sleep and then come back out two thirty and ski to around five to five thirty yeah. and then have a dinner and then maybe around seven to nine we do the physical fitness. That mm-hmm. was the kind of general our practice sessions, excepting our morning, uh, early morning sessions. So if we included early morning section from five to six thirty and then have a breakfast. And then you go out to 9.30 or 9. So that routine gives us uh, that not much problem with eating, you know, bigger meat mm-hmm. from the Western or maybe in Brazil. But just, uh, you know, you will, you will get tired of eating Western food, which is not <laughs> yeah. traditional food. Yeah. So that yeah. was the kind of hard thing for us. But I didn't get any, uh, for me, and we didn't get that much weight gained. Yeah. So since since you retired as an athlete, you've you've done your PhD and you're working for the Korean Paralympic Committee, at, or at least you're working at the Korean Paralympic Training Center, correct? Yes. So can you tell us about the center a little bit? Just kind of, you know, it's a pretty unique center. There's not many like that in the world. Can you give us a little bit of an idea of what it looks like and what's in it? Okay. So, well, after Pyeongchang, I retired and I, I pursued my PhD in the, the physical, uh, adaptive physical education more. I mean, mm-hmm. more focused on the children and adolescents with the physical activity. And then I, after I finished my PhD, I started to working in Korean Paralympic Committee, which is Ichan Paralympic Training Center. It's mm-hmm. like a, maybe USOPC types of which all the uh, Paralympic athletes can come into that training center and staying there, sleep, eat, and training. And we have a swimming pool. And every every facility, every sports facility we have there, except maybe um, ice sledge hockey. Uh, we have uh, archery. We have a shooting. Uh, we have uh, a basketball court. Also, whatever that you name in the Paralympic sports, we mm-hmm. we mostly ninety uh, percent all the sports. Uh, facilities are in the h training center and also cafeteria yeah. and also dormitory and then uh, my job is i'm working there as a researcher mm-hmm. so my focus on the korean power committee is uh, researching in the high performance for the paralympic korean paralympic athletes so mm-hmm. it could be uh, physiology it could be psychology but i'm not in that specialty but i can get uh, contact with the university or maybe mm-hmm. some of the uh, organization that in the specialty uh, for that subject and we kind of collaboration to uh, putting on the project and yeah. also we are doing the nutrition part which is we're trying to measure Paralympic athletes uh, their RER mm-hmm. uh, resting energy expenditures and also their eating 
nutrition's calorie uh, expenditure for daily. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not in that project uh, right now, but some of my colleagues in that project, so they were trying to contact with the nutrition's uh, company, uh, yep. finding out using their AI system, whatever they're eating it and using camera, and they kind of calculated the, their calories. And mm -hmm. also we're trying to calculate their RER using the, some of the uh, sports equipment. And then we're trying to using maybe algorithm, uh, what is good, you know, what is not good and how much that nutrition calories that you have to supplement, you know, kind of that the system we're trying yeah. to developing right now. Okay, cool. And what have you learned from shifting from being an athlete to being a scientist and, and working in that system? You've, you know, have you learned or, or got a different understanding and, and a different appreciation for for what goes into that? Well, I don't know. I didn't, when, when I started my PhD after PyeongChang, I didn't have that much expectation mm -hmm. because I was so depressed after PyeongChang. <laughs> uh, because first of all, I was so tired because yep. I was doing so much exercise and training more than maybe five to six years in a row. Yeah, and uh, overseas training was so tired. Yeah, and I was always not with my family. I can't do any friendship, no any relationship were built it. Mm. So that was kind of tiring part. That after my Pyeongchang 2018, and also that much hard work, I didn't get the medal. I didn't mm. get up to the podium. It was kind of depressing. That I was very sad for myself. So yep. I I need to start things to get my uh you know, to get back on the track, to do, organize, and what I'm going to do. So that's why I started my PhD. But I didn't know that this was very uh, unique <laughs> for other people. Yeah. Um, like when I started my PhD, all my people around there was like, oh, you are so unique. You are a Paralympic athlete, but you are doing the PhD. Mm -hmm. That's so unique. You will have so much potential in your future because you have a Paralympic athlete career. Mm. And also have a PhD and maybe working in the Korean public committee as a researcher will be giving you so much potential that you can do a lot of things in the future. Mm. And I think that's the time when I got into, I was elected as a chairperson of uh, Athletic Council in Asian Paralympic Committee in 2018, November. Mm -hmm. So I started to have a lot of international role from mm. IPC. Asian Parliament Committee and also uh, where the anti-doping agency would contact me because I was uh, a chairperson of Athletic Council and governing board member mm -hmm. in Asian Parliament Committee. So I have a lot of international role. And also uh, that's because I have uh, careers with the Paralympic athletes and also I can speak English. Mm. And I started to travel not for the training, but maybe for conferences, mm -hmm. for the seminar. Uh, for some types of the uh, meetings, yep. uh, they're kind of inviting me as for that kind of positions. And starting to know that, I felt that, oh, maybe having my PhD will give me more than what I can dream of. Yeah. So after I finished my PhD and I got hired as a Korean Public Committee as a researcher for the full-time job, and... I don't know. I started to get a respect from the others yep. that, oh, he's, and he did mm. PhD. He's now working as a researcher and he also have a disability, but he started to overcome 
that he's a disability and he finding his own way to I don't know I wouldn't say success but he trying to grounding and then uh, trying to get better and develop himself so yeah. that's what I get a lot of other people's uh, opinions and comments mm, comments yep so that gives me a lot of motivations which yeah. that drives me to go to work and I still keep my uh, physical fitness level not as much as uh, when I compete in the 2018 but trying to maintain not to gain weight because <laughs> I have a disability I am more vulnerable to get a secondary disease such as diabetes uh, metabolic syndrome yeah maybe another uh, disease secondary disease compared to general population so yeah. I still keep going in uh, 6 a.m in the morning in the gym in training center which is Korean public committee and I start my own workout routine and my start day at nine o'clock in the office and do my project with other people about the developing the Korean Paralympic Committee, uh, Korean Paralympic athletes, their performance yeah. to preparing for 2014 um, Paris Paralympic Game and also for 2028 LA Paralympic yeah. Games. And so, so you know, it, I guess it seems as though the government has a reasonably good support network in place for people with disabilities in Korea who want to get involved in sports. So what would you say to potential Korean Paralympic athletes who haven't yet kind of explored all of that? I mean, it sounds like you worked pretty hard to find sports that worked well for you and perhaps the system has changed and become... Yes more effective what would you say to younger athletes or potential athletes now even people who are, are older and, and maybe have acquired a disability like you did and and are looking at sport as an opportunity well in in korea i, I think it's the same situation uh, globally the paralympic athletes are getting aged which means you know the paralympic athletes were compared to olympic athletes they were a little bit older mm-hmm and because of the, you know, sometimes people get injury during their lifetime and then they start their Paralympic Games around 20 or maybe 30. Yeah. So in our Korea, I, I'm not sure exactly, but in Korea, the Paralympic athletes, the national Paralympic athletes, uh, their uh, mean ages are almost 45. Wow. So they are getting uh, older. Yeah. And also because of the aging uh, issue, and also that the lower fertility in Korea, the birth rate there is very lower. Mm-hmm. And that is also uh, relating to the uh, new young generation. Their uh, population is very small. Mm-hmm. And because of the enhancements in medical uh, treatment and also those medical sciences, so there are not many uh, disability population has been grown or uh, it, it's compared to it's less. Yep. So it's really hard for us to find a new athlete, which means a young generation, yeah. around under 20 years old. Mm-hmm. So even though uh, we have a few very, very small populations, small numbers of the young athletes, and we have a lot of uh, uh, good systems mm-hmm. to supporting those athletes, which means not for the sports competition, but also we have some program to support them to go to college. Yep. and finding jobs. Yep. But the problem is once that become a Paralympic athletes because they know that they get much support from the government and also from the club financially, 
they're not achieving any academic goals or any other different industry. Ah. So what I'm trying to say is they're only focusing on sports. Yep. So they wanted to be always as a national team or maybe club team until maybe 50 or 55 years old. <laughs> well, which is good because yep. they can get the uh, financially support from, you know, doing the sports and also physically healthy. Yeah. But to raise our own quality of the Korean Paralympic movement, I think the actual people with a disability and uh, athlete with a disability has to be in government positions and all the in organization mm -hmm. because they have to understand how the process, how to the all this uh, uh well the government bodies and also the organizations are moving. Yep. And how this all this uh, corporates entrepreneurships are relating to making the more budget and developing the systems and maybe uh, in the research area. So maybe collaborations, you know, having project with the university professors and uh, with the students. Mm -hmm. But we don't have that much identity from the athlete with the disability working in that positions. They yeah. always want to be just the Paralympic Just athletes. the athlete. So your yes. recommendation is that they get more involved more globally rather than just focusing on being an athlete. There's yes. lots of opportunities yes. out there. For the young athletes, I want them to learn English, learn them to yep. how to use coding, uh, how to use your AI solutions. Maybe you yep. can go to a university for mechanical engineering or maybe yep. computer science. It could be so many different types of the a uh, major that you can pursue but why only sports why only adaptive sports mm -hmm. so in in korea every uh, young athlete or even though uh, the the still the athlete with a disability if they have to go to university they only go to the department of the kinesiology in adaptive sports right. that's 99 percent yep well i'm not saying it's not uh, bad things but we need to have a diversity Yep. Sometimes you need to do a public relations. Sometimes you need to do the advertisement. Sometimes you need to know how to financially. Yep. So, for example, if you're doing the uh, movement for Korean politics or maybe para sports in Korea, some people from athletes with a disability who have experience in para sports and come into the financial department and maybe, you know, using their ideas and experiences to finding more proper financial budget. From the yep. government. Uh -huh. And yep. maybe for the computer system, well, because of the computer system, generally we know that, you know, systems are used even though uh, disabled or non-disabled. Mm -hmm. But if you have some unique ideas, unique uh, experience-based uh, implementation from your own um, background, then yep. you need to have your voice. But yep. if you don't have a specialty or professional or your, your skills, it's not going to work. Yep. To uh, make them to understand using... Yep. Not your own experience, but you're also, uh, you know, qualified your uh, degrees yeah. or maybe experiences. Yep, absolutely. And so do you think that now in Korea, people with a, an impairment or a disability are a little bit more equal? Or do you feel like having the Paralympic Games there in 2018 actually help uh, for people in South Korea to better recognize the 
the Paralympic sports and the involvement of of people with disabilities in general day to day life. Yes, yes, it has uh, impact on the huge after 2018 Pyeongchang. Um, mm-hmm. The government has been putting a lot of much more uh, investments on the para sports, and also the acknowledges and awareness has been increased. But still, you know, there's a uh, more places that we have to develop. But sometimes that doesn't require about the money. Yeah, I'm saying is the quality. Uh, we need to have a focus on the quality base, which is yeah. I am careful to say. Sometimes in your position, in my position, sometimes if you get supported, you will be get better because it's a financially related. Mm. But uh, for the quality, it takes time and, yeah. and it takes a compliments and discipline to get that places. Yeah. But because of disability, it's really difficult to be there, such as yeah. maybe going to university. If you don't have any accessibility, you cannot go into the school, mm. have a proper education. Mm. But if the government putting into more different places for the investment, maybe renewing the university, renewing the transportation system, mm. renewing the uh, the road work, so that the people with a wheelchair, people with a blind or visual impairment, they can uh, independently walking to mm-hmm. go there to yeah. get their degrees or get that their uh, project done. Yeah, not just for giving the money. Hey. For your bank account, yeah. Well, it's it also impact, but I'm not saying that it is not effective, but it is also effect. But now it's time for it to macro yeah. Uh, development, yeah, to accessibility and then more independently responsible to give that athletes or people with a disability can take their responsibility in individual yeah. on themselves. Yeah, to have the. Uh, more independence and, and ability to, yes, to be yes. self-reliant. That is the, the quality of the investments from the government that yeah. I am requiring yeah. and requesting to the Korean, uh, Korean government. Yep. Cool. Awesome. Well, Jongmin, I think we could talk forever, but we kind of need to keep this a little bit shorter. So I'll probably start, uh, I guess, just asking my last question for you, which is what is your favorite food? My favorite food? Well, there's a, well, I like, I love a quarter pound cheese hamburger from McDonald's. <laughs> oh, come on. Give me a Korean food. <laughs> I mean, there's so many food that I love, but I mean, every time I eat a quarter pound cheese hamburger from McDonald's, you know, always, always, it gives me same taste, same, <laughs> same moments that I felt first time I ever eat those Quarter pound cheesecake. No, quarter uh, pound uh, cheeseburger. cheeseburger. Oh, dear. Oh, the irony. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, you like- mean- oh, no, no. You'll never, oh, okay. you'll never find me eating a quarter pound of, uh, with oh, cheese oh, from, from McDonald's. <laughs> come on. I'd rather have a big bowl of, of, um, of kimchi. <laughs> Well, Chungmin, thank you so much for joining us and for providing us with some of your background. I think, you know, every Paralympic athlete has 
a different entry point and a different experience in their sport and it's really interesting to hear where you came from and and how you got involved and what you got out of it so we'll look forward to seeing uh, some really interesting research coming out of the Korean Paralympic Committee and we Thank look you. you know wish you all the best with your ongoing endeavors in getting the government to to provide that better support in terms of the accessibility Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. Chong Min is a great example of someone who has worked really hard to create opportunities for himself that give him challenges, but something that is new and exciting and gives him a sense of purpose. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you have any recommendations on people you'd like to hear from, please leave them on our website. And I hope you'll join us next time when we talk to wheelchair tennis star extraordinaire Dieter de Groot from the Netherlands.